So welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. We have successfully conquered the Silmarillion. We have successfully conquered the Silmarillion, though. It was a trial, but we did it. We're in for a bit of a tone shift over the next couple months. As we jump into all things The Hobbit. I want to I wanna put in an honorable mention for someone saying Majestic Thorin. He's like a Maybelline or Garnier Fruchis ad. Well, that's in the movie. That's on the book. <laughs> so, join Caitlin and Rachel. Emmy. As we take you on this unexpected journey. There and back again. <laughs> I see what you all did there. That was very clever. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We are here for episode 32, chapter 13 and 14 of The Hobbit. I have to say, I found it super weird to go back to the dwarves just going into the mountain after watching the movie. Yep. <laughs> when when I first started reading chapter 13, I had completely forgotten where they even were. Yep. <laughs> so that was smart. Yep. And yeah, it was great. Um, but we, if our listeners are like us and are confused, they have just shut themselves inside the secret door after, or just in time when Smaug breathed a whole bunch of fire, I almost said water, <laughs> on them. Uh, and then as far as they, and then they don't know what happened to Smaug and they are trapped just inside that door. And that is where we begin our tale, here with Chapter 13, Not at Home. So uh, that's also where we find our characters, who are still Bilbo and the company of cowards. Uh, I mean dwarves. <laughs> uh, also, we officially meet the Arkenstone in this chapter, and that basically counts as a character, because it's pretty it does. the no, most it's... important thing for the rest of the book. It's a big motivator. Um, so what happens in this chapter, the short blurb, is that the dwarves and Bilbo go deeper into Erebor and they find the dragon is not at home. What a surprise with a chapter title like that. Um, and they warily begin to go through and loot the treasure and Bilbo discovers a mighty prize. I wonder what it could be. Which is kind of his theme in this book. That's true. All right. So the longer summary is that... Um, like I said, we just left our company hiding inside the mountain, or uh, inside the hidden door, and they're sort of stay there as long as they can stand it. We find out later that it's two nights and a day, basically, that they're just huddling inside this door, not knowing <laughs> if the dragon's gonna find them or anything, and they start to feel like they are going to suffocate if they do not get any fresh air. Um, so they search for the door. But it's all collapsed in, and is all rocks, and there's no way that they're getting out that way. The dwarves, being mighty fellows who have gone on many adventures... And are in their home. And are in their ancestral home, start to panic. Uh, but Bilbo, once again, showing himself to be a better adventurer than them, keeps his head and says, you know, we're going to go down the tunnel and see what's what. And he says that he's gone down it twice now when he knew there was a dragon at the other end. So going down when there might be a dragon should be easier. The logic is surprisingly sound. Yeah, I like it. Um, he suggests this that this time the dwarfs come with him. And they do. Because otherwise they have to stay where they are and they don't want that. Um, Thorin does accompany Bilbo. You know, he's the first to go down and the first to be like, yes. Oh no, was it Balin that says? Balin's the one who speaks up and says, yes, we owe it to Bilbo to go with him this time. Or maybe that's later. I think that's later. There's a lot of Bilbo leaving the dwarves behind and then them being like, yeah, I guess we should join Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, everyone just agrees, but Thorin was the first to go forward by Bilbo's side. Yes, okay. Um, Bilbo is stealthily going down, and the dwarves are trying to be stealthy, but they do a very, very poor job of it. Bilbo, when they reach 
when they get near the end, Bilbo slips on the ring and goes ahead again. But it doesn't matter as now that Smaug's not there with his inner glow fire thing, there is no light at all. And this results in Bilbo tripping and falling into the cavern. And then he sort of looks around a bit and the only light he can see is a pale white glint above him. Okay, but in one of Bilbo's most relatable moments, he mm-hmm. falls down and it's like terrified that he might have alerted a dragon and just lies <laughs> there face first on the ground. <laughs> it's a meme, basically. Very, he became a meme. Very uh, Draco Malfoy style. Right. There he lay face downwards on the floor and did not dare to get up. Yep. Me too, Bilbo. Me too. Where you, you know, I've lost myself now. Sorry, you're, you okay. talked about okay. the glowing thing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So there is a pale white glint above him, but that is definitely not the light from the dragon, and everything seems safe for the moment, so Bilbo called for a light. The dwarves, still being cowards, ignore him at first, which made me so angry, and then Bilbo got angry too, so I felt good about that. And eventually he they do light a torch and Bilbo takes it and he st- and still the dwarves will not go further into the cavern with him. What the fuck is wrong with these dwarves? Anyway, I think Bilbo deserves that Ark and Stone and those dwarves can go rot in their dark tunnel. I just think it's so funny. I a little bit of cowardly and I but I picture it as them just being so freaked out after Bilbo fell faced first that they just kept yelling like shh, shh at each other and Bilbo finds them by the sound of them trying to shush each other because they're all just freaking out. <laughs> I don't it like this was they want this is their home. What are they doing? The dragon would have eaten them already. Why are they so freaked out? Are they afraid of the dark? Probably. What's happening here? Anyways, Bilbo then takes a look around with the torch that he has. And he obviously goes towards that light that he saw glinting, finds himself an Arkenstone, and puts that shit in his pocket. Woo! (sighs) Go Bilbo. And this is actually one of the rare instances where we see him... I I personally think he does deserve the Arkenstone at this point, but the way that it's written in the book is that he feels the, the greed, you know, that overtakes others about the treasure. Oh... It's actually, it's described as like his arm moving of its own accord. Yeah, suddenly Bilbo's arm went towards it, drawn by its enchantment. His small hand would not close about it, for it was large, for it was a large and heavy gem, but he lifted it, shut his eyes, and put it in his deepest pocket. And then he says, now I am a burglar indeed. And that, that, like him thinking that about himself, I feel like is more telling than anything else that this is what made him feel kind of untrustworthy. So, dun dun dun. Yeah. I have things I want to talk about with the Arkenstone, but I think they're better for the discussion. Yeah, let's do that then. And then um, after that, a bat or something swoops at Bilbo in the dark and he drops the torch. It goes out and he loses it. So he starts to call for another light from the dwarves. But once again, they ignore him for a bit before they respond. And it is, yeah, here it is, Balin saying, it's about our turn to help. No shit. (laughs) Uh, They eventually meet up with Bilbo, who explains that he dropped his torch. And then the dwarves are upset with him? That it was only a dropped torch that was freaking him out? Right? What was that? What? Anyways, I'm glad Bilbo doesn't say anything about the Arkenstorm. Stupid, ungrateful bastard dwarves. He really is too good for them. He is way too good for them. Anyway, so, um, while getting to Bilbo forced the dwarves dwarves to see all the treasure, and they suddenly didn't want to hide in the tunnel anymore. Imagine that. Um, They start searching for a few good finds. Thorn seems to be looking for something in particular and is very single-minded about it. Feely and Keely find some magic harps and start playing a merry tune because they are pure souls. I mean, cowards also, but pure souls. Uh, Shortly after that, Thorin outfits Bilbo in his mithril coat and gives him a helm also. And the whole company outfits themselves in gleaming, shining, beautiful armor. With so many jewels in it, which seemed like a a bad idea in armor, but, you know. I think 
I don't necessarily think, I don't think there was not necessarily more discreet armor there. I think that these dwarves were a little bit like, yes, let's take the rich armor. Oh, Because we're rich now. So. Um, Gold-plated rings and a silver-hafted axe and a belt crested with scarlet stones. I mean, we can fault them from our, you know, from where we are, but I'd do the exact same thing. Like, uh, oh, does that belt have rubies in it? I'm putting that shit on. Just, like, not even necessarily to keep, just to try it on, you know? Yep. Uh, grows tired of searching through the treasure long before the dwarves do, and has a line about how he would give a good many of these precious goblets for a drink of something cheering out of one of Bayorn's wooden bowls. Which kind of seemed like a bit of a throwaway line, but is sort of the theme of this whole book, <laughs> and the Hobbit himself, and... uh. I just wanted yeah. to mention it. And I, I think I like that it speaks to Bilbo's growth that he's not saying I would give this for like a cup of tea in my own hobbit hole. It's this from one of Bayorn's wooden bowls. This is true. I mean, yeah, this is very oh, true. He wasn't... Growth. I mean, it might be partly to remind us that Bayorn exists, but... <laughs> hey, could be that. But still, it's like, yeah, there were good times on this adventure and that was one of them. With hearty food and... Yeah. Something that I forgot to bring up when we were talking about the movie is in the movies, they do make Bayorn a brown bear. We had talked about how in the books he's a black bear. Mm -hmm. And how that is less terrifying than a brown bear. Apparently Peter Jackson agreed with us. <laughs> um, so Bilbo speaks some sense to these dwarves, saying that they can't stay where they are and they don't know where the dragon is and they need to figure out what's going on. Uh, Thorin and company agrees, and Thorin starts leading everyone towards the front gate, and he, as he used to live here, remembers how to get to places. They pass through the Great Chamber of Thror, the Hall of Feasting and of Council, with lots of dead bodies. Yeah, it's really sad, because uh. it's described as, like, the, the Hall of Feasting and Council, and they talk about, like, the skulls laying there and stuff, and all, all these mm. poor dwarves, like, dead at lunch. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. It's just, it, it getting these scenes that we didn't so much have in the mm -hmm. movie since we went straight to fighting, like, just mm. walking through the kingdom, and it's... Because you don't really get the kingdom effect in the movies, right? It has like more of that underground city vibe versus in the book, you get like the breadth of how far they have to travel mm -hmm. in order to get everywhere. It's like skulls and bones were upon the floor among flagons and bowls and broken drinking horns and dust. We definitely didn't get a lot of that in the film. Not like in Moria where there were just dead bodies. I was going to say, I think we're going to kind of revisit a scene like this later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. With some of these dwarves present <laughs> being the skeletons. <laughs> but anyways. Oh, no, I forgot that. <laughs> oh. Um, anyways, so they find the birth of the running river and follow that to the gate. They exit the underground kingdom. Quite happy to see the sun again. Bilbo wishes to find somewhere to eat and sit for a bit. Um, Balin suggests a lookout post that is a five-hour march away. As, like, I'm pretty sure I would have slept Balin if I had said, can we just sit and eat somewhere? And he was like, I know a good place. It's five hours from here. <laughs> like, for real. what? No. <laughs> uh, they start towards it, I guess not having any better options. And still not knowing where Smaug is, and they sort of feel eyes watching them and walking through this abandoned... Because they're in Dale now, basically, so walking through this abandoned city. Anyways, I, f I found this to be kind of creepy. Um, they continue their... Oh, no, they make a stop to eat some cram, <laughs> which is the weirdest <laughs> passage in this book. Like... <laughs> so funny! Like, A, all their supplies were destroyed. So, what? So, where are they getting this food? And B, like, did they just find it in this hundred year abandoned city? Or Which city that has gross. Been yeah. I mean, had they. Like, they don't even they, have preservatives. Did they rescue anything before the dragon got their stuff? I guess they might have had their bags on them. 
But it, it that when they made it sound like the majority of their supplies was with the ponies, which that all burned up or got eaten. Yeah. And they may have had some stuff up with them on the where they sort of camped in front of the door. Which is on clearly the doorstep as it cram. were. Cram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't th- but Bilbo like rushed them all into there, so I don't know what they grabbed. Cram. I, I guess. They crammed it into the tunnel with them. So the, the, the passage here is, um, blah, 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 had such a breakfast as they could, chiefly cram and water. If you want to know what cram is, I can only say that I don't know the recipe, but it is biscuitish, keeps good indefinitely, <laughs> is supposed to be sustaining and is certainly not entertaining, being in fact very uninteresting, except as a chewing exercise. It was made by the lake men for long journeys. So it's something that they, that the people of Lake Town gave to them, but keeps good indefinitely? Yeah, listen, there's some, like, magical culinary arts in Middle-earth that just never get addressed. You know, no, cram is very clearly conversation hearts. <laughs> that is, like, not at all where I was expecting that sentence to end, <laughs> and I don't even know what to do with it. Didn't they do, like, a study where they found ones that were, like, 50 years old, and they're like, yep exactly like they were when they were made oh <laughs> i think i'm the only person alive who enjoys the taste of oh conversation God, you are. hearts yep. yes you are it's just you i don't know why i'm just like mm, purple chalk <laughs> um but anyways yeah, it's i just i find it funny because the book kind of shifted into a slightly more serious tone mm-hmm. and then suddenly we got one of these what I, I called it five lines long, but it's six lines of parenthetical commentary on cram. Yep. If it sounds to me like humans tried to emulate lembas spread, but didn't quite get there. I mean, cram is a real thing, isn't it? I have absolutely no idea. Are you googling, or should I google? I'm googling. Okay. Nope. Did... The first thing that pops up is fictional food and drink in Middle Earth. <laughs> nice. Cram from The Hobbit, food in literature. Cram is in Fallout as well. Hey, I didn't know that. Maybe it just comes up in Harry Potter fantasy nerds. all over. Yeah, I think it is. There we go. Because then you get into the part where you need to cram food into your mouth. <laughs> so, no, it's okay, not real. Never mind. It's it's Tolkien's fault, but I do like that it describes it as biscuitish, which from a British person could it mean any this cookie number. is a cookie. Well, well, they also call crackers biscuits. That's true. The only thing I, I just want don't cookies. think that they call biscuits are what we in North America would call a biscuit. Definitely not. I think that's true. Although, to be fair, I think Canada and America have different biscuits. Oh, it's all... Anyways, the <laughs> word biscuit between the English-speaking countries well, means completely different things. I, I, I can say I... with. Like ninety nine point nine percent confidence that uh, for cram they were not eating biscuits and gravy. See, why? See, no. Like, ob- what the fuck is biscuits and gravy? Anyways, moving on. <laughs> what the American South? Yeah, that is bullshit. The, the least biscuity in this context thing I could think of. But when you say gravy, you mean that white bullshit, don't you? What? White. I've seen. What I assume is biscuits and gravy before, and it was in white goop and not like good brown oh. gravy. Oh, okay, yeah, that's some that's some gravies, but no, that's not really the gravy we're talking about. Okay, great, I feel much better about you both. Yeah, I, I yeah, I it's only not have, white in person. Yeah, I only it's have like brown white and gravy. overexposed photos. Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen this in person, and it is white goop. That's weird. Anyway, all right. Let's cram. So they have this weird cram thing. We're not going to discuss the word biscuit ever again because... Why? Yeah. We already did. Um, Ran this one into the ground. Well. uh, So anyways, they start up towards Ravenhill, or they're looking for a lookout. I swear I read this passage like three times and I still don't quite know where they were going. (laughs) It's like an offshoot of the mountain... That has a lookout platform in it. Pretty much. So it's not the mountain, but it's beside the mountain, but maybe it is the mountain. Nobody knows. They climb up towards a lookout point and make camp there. 
and pretty much they just fall on the ground and go to sleep because it's been about two days. Uh, they still have no idea where Smaug is. They also have a great commentary about how their watch people had gotten lazy. Yes, that's true. One of them is like, if we take in more care with our watches, we may have had some more warning about the dragon. So dwarves are disappointments all around. <laughs> and that is that. Um, so for favorite lines, I did put in when Bilbo is sort of searching around and he thinks to himself he is not at home today about Smaug. I'm like, <laughs> that's just the oddest line. <laughs> like, to you're think so about a dragon that you are currently knee-deep in his treasure and you're like, well, I guess he's not at home. I don't know. Of course, it's it's clearly infectious because my favorite line is when Bilbo complains about, like, not having had food in the nasty, timeless hole. Um... And Thorne is just like, don't call my palace a nasty hole. You wait till it has been cleaned and redecorated. <laughs> it's so domestic. I wonder if Thorne himself was planning to clean it all up. Right? Did he have know, like... They don't seem fairly, like, they don't seem like domestic dwarves. I mean, he had a whole lot of years to plan for how he was going to do the renovations. Do you think they would have been happy? Like, let's say battle doesn't take place. They all just move into the mountain. They get their treasure. Everything's hunky-dory. They would have been happy. For a while, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm intrigued by this thought. Well, we don't really even get ever real examples of dwarven society. No, that's true. We don't. We only see them dead. We see the elves, but right, they go on this adventure, and then Gimli is off on a different adventure, separate. And when we go into Moria, they all... Mm-hmm. They're dead. But Mori is kind of like Erebor, right? Ill-fated attempt to reclaim the kingdom of old. Yeah. And so we don't we don't get to see the settlements in the Blue Mountains where they're just sort of in yeah, I don't but... know, dwarven suburbs. <laughs> but I didn't mean like dwarves in general. I meant these in particular dwarves mm -hmm. after their wear and tear lives. Could they yeah. have been like, well, we live in this fancy schmancy mountain now. Mm -hmm. It's time to become lazy and rich. God, that sounds wonderful to me. Yep. Sounds good to me, too, but I wonder if they would be bored. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, there was something like, we were leaving for the discussion? Yes. So, and also, um, I interrupted you, Emmy. Sorry. That's fine. I've already forgotten. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it happens. Um. So, talking about the Arkenstone. Mm-hmm. And I was just, as I was reading this, thinking about how we've brought up before, uh, is it or isn't it a Silmaril? Right. And I found it really interesting reading it and with how Bilbo picked it up. It just made me think, in the world, we kind of know it. it's not realistically. It can't mm -hmm. be because of location and like being so large, even to a hobbit hand. But I kind of feel like in out of world, it is. Yeah. Because Tolkien had that idea in his head and basically wrote it as a Silmaril. I would say the same, in the same way that he reused the Nauglamir. Mm -hmm. I, I would, or that sort of story about how the dwarves and the elves don't get along, um, thinking that the Silmarillion would never be published. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that, that part where it just... Everyone, regardless of intention, even Bilbo, who we've shown to be relatively immune to the thrall, being mm -hmm. so taken by it. I wonder, well, I mean, they're not exactly Simrils, but I, I just, I wonder whose hand it would have burned, you know? Who, yeah. If somebody, if Thorn had picked it up, or that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's been in the possession of the dwarves, so. But same thing, it was theoretically, like, the, the king's jewel. Would it... Not burn Thorin, but burn Balin? Or maybe, like, is it what drove Thrain mad? Mm -hmm. Did Thrain go mad in the books, or is that just in the movies? Oh, it's all blended. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> no. Um, oh, God, we meant that whole battle came up at the beginning. I think he did. I think he did just go mad and wander off. Right. We don't have the whole everything, but... But I, I I meant before the dragon came. Mm. Um, you know, did he go sort of 
greed sick. Oh, you mean Thrar. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> you should just know what I mean when I say the wrong name by this time, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyways, but yeah, I, I do agree that I think Tolkien specifically reused that in the way that he reused other things. Mm-hmm. So we can think of it as a Silmaril, a naturally occurring one. Mm-hmm. I just Maybe think a- it's it's interesting to look at from the metatextual perspective. Yes, I do too. And as I think we discussed this during our discussion on the second movie, it would just be so interesting for it to be a Silmaril, you know, like, and to have that end up with Bilbo along with the One Ring. I don't know. I think that's interesting. It's too bad that it doesn't really work with the lore. Yeah. Although maybe not too bad, because I think of an actual fucking Silmaril surfaced. <laughs> I would bring this plot to a whole nother level. <laughs> Middle Earth would be so doomed. Fucked. Yep. So doomed. Like, forget the ring. Like, there's still technically one Noldor, at least, <laughs> in, in Middle Earth, who might just lose her shit. <laughs> I want that book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chapter 14? Um, chapter 14 or nope, was I there something one else? last thing i oh. did just see that sorry yeah um so i feel like funny going back and back after this after talking about the Urgent stone and its thrall yeah um but like we talked about with the um wandering through erebor and seeing a bit more of it mm-hmm. is i like how it's a bit more back and forth with the gold madness for all the mm-hmm. dwarves um and like at the beginning of course, it being Thorin who first follows um, Bilbo, but he was the one who was like, I must feel the wind on my face soon or die. I think I would rather be smashed by smog in the open than suffocate in here. Um, and of course, it's his mountain. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that ju- that one just sort of stuck with me, how much he wanted the air. And then later when they're leaving, they all get caught in it and then Bilbo brings them out of it again. So... Bilbo is just like, Thorin, what next? We're armed, but what good has any armor ever been before against Smug the Dreadful? Um, and he goes on, then Thorin's like, you speak the truth. And he answers, recovering his wits is what's, mm-hmm. uh, what's used. And he says, you know, let us go, I will guide you and get them out. But the fact that all of them just kind of go in and out of it, and they're not just instantly yeah. overcome quite so dramatically... And that's when he was like super searching for the. Right, I almost said was... the Silmaril for the Arkenstone. <laughs> yeah, he was super searching for the Arkenstone, but they all get pulled out of it enough to leave and figure out what's happened to the the dragon. Yeah, God, over and over again, just like fucking good things, Bilbo's there. Like, mm-hmm. hello, I will speak sense into your addled mind. Yeah, but that that he's able to is. It's just more interesting to me, I think. Yeah, the back and forth. And it makes you, like, the dwarves are shown as being much more, like like we've talked about, cowardly in the book than they were in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the movie dwarves never would have stayed in that tunnel while Bilbo looked around after yeah. the dragon had flown off. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that would have been, well, not a less interesting movie, just a completely different movie. Right. Like, it, it wouldn't have worked after the first two movies that they told, you know? Um, but it it's just interesting how their characters are shown in this one, I suppose. And how they're not they're not necessarily as likable as the dwarves in the movie, but they're likable in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I have more sympathy for their descent, even if I'm like, you've been cowards the whole time, as opposed to it being like, well... In the movies, it's so sudden, it's like, you either have two things to blame. It's either weakness of character, or, like, this gold is really freaking magical. Yeah. And this is just a lot more more complex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do wish they'd put more of that complexity into the movie, but that would have made the movie be intelligent, which... (laughs) Even longer is what I was going to say. (laughs) Please don't make it longer. Herbie would have had to (gasps) cut some battle scenes. What? My God. But as I was going to say, intelligent wasn't what they were going for. They were (laughs) going for blockbuster. Yeah. Which, I mean, 
it just sucks when somebody who's proven that he can do both doesn't. Mm-hmm. But anyways, moving on, we've dwelled enough. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come up again. Apologies to our listeners. Chapter 14. Am I doing characters? Yes. Yes. Let's go kill a dragon. All right. So this is Fire and Water. In this one, we meet this grim-voiced fellow whose name is Bard. I don't know. <laughs> um, he's a descendant of Girion, Lord of Dale. Um, we've got the Master of Lake Town, who proves himself to be a bit of a douche. Um, we've got the citizens of Lake Town, which is only referred to as Eskaroth in this chapter. And Smaug is in this chapter, his very last one. It's very sad. My dragon son has left us. And the Elven King and some of his elves make an appearance at the end. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so this chapter includes Smaug flying towards Lake Town in a range, where he, he destroys a bunch of shit. Um, then one of the citizens, before uh, he can waste his last arrow, is advised by a bird where the weak spot on this dragon is. He manages to shoot and kill the dragon, and the people of Lake Town gather themselves on the shore, where things aren't on fire. R.I.P. Smaug. <laughs> I love <All> dragon. Right. <laughs> I just want to say we got another Deus Ex bird in this. It's not an eagle, but yeah, good more point. birds coming to save the day. I didn't even think of that. Deus Ex thrush. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nope, that's, sorry, next chapter we get the talking ravens. Yep. So, in long terms, uh, we start out where the people of Esgaroth, a.k.a. Lake Town, see lights in the distance, and they hope it is finally the gold come down the river, as songs foretold. Because that's what I always think when I see shiny lights off in the distance. Must be gold. <laughs> um, but, but there's a guy who's grim-voiced and not named, and he runs off to the master and tells him, The dragon is coming, or I am a fool. He's not a fool, he's barred. You may have heard of him. Uh, warning trumpet sound, and the town has just enough time to pick up weapons, load boats with water, and destroy the bridge. Um, Which is like, why? I know. That right? No it's sense. a dragon. Why? Yeah, it's what very are we confusing. Because Smaug comments on the bridge being gone and not liking, you know, the deeps of the water. So what was he planning on? Walking the bridge over to the town? Or... I don't understand. Standing on it? Like, I don't get it either. Was he... Did he just want... I don't... Does he know he can fly? (laughs) (laughs) Does the, uh... Does the town just, like, float away when you get rid of the bridge? (laughs) They hoped for the best. That would be interesting. That would be far cooler than what actually happens. I I don't understand the thought about the bridge. Like, I just don't get it. Like, even if it's a huge bridge that can hold Smaug, what the fuck does that matter? He has some wings. Yeah, and all you've done is, like, getting getting rid? Wow. Ouch. That hurts me on an English level. All you've done is gotten rid of an escape route for you and your people. Well, I guess I can see where if they got rid of it, because it was, like, an obvious escape route. Like, if people had been running across it, Smout could just burn them up. So this way, it does force them to take water-filled boats, which are less dangerous. I don't know. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Yeah. Look. <laughs> Trying to find logic. I will say, at least, they clearly had a disaster plan in place. And that is, like, ten times ahead of the movie. That's true. And you know what? It only really makes sense for them to have a disaster plan in place. They've been living next to a dragon. Yeah. Yep. Like, we may have questions about this bridge, but they also, like, had tossed buckets of water on all of the roofs and stuff like that. Like, there's some good thinking there. You still built a town of wood near a dragon, but hey. But at least you thought about it. Yep. You realized that that was foolish. (laughs) Um, so anyway, yes. We don't know what happened with this bridge, but the the citizens are prepared. Uh, they also have some archers who shoot at Smaug as he flies overhead. But I was, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I was very happy that more than one person thought maybe we should fight this dragon. Also, <laughs> all right, so yeah, they have some actual archers in Lake Town, uh, <clears throat> Esgaroth, 
and Woo! they shoot at Smaug as he flies overhead, but he lights all the arrows on fire before they reach him, and they wouldn't do anything anyway. Um, so Smaug gets super duper angry, as you do when people fire arrows at you, um, but he gets so angry that he's blind and mad with it, because, uh, quote, no one had dared to give battle to him for many an age, nor would they have dared now if it had not been for the grim-voiced man, Bard was his name, who ran to and fro, cheering on the archers and urging the master to order them to fight to the last arrow. I like this Bard. Yep. I mean, I like Movie Bard, too, but I like this Movie Bard. Movie Bard, though, is just fine. This one is much better. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it's cool seeing him like working with the master and with the other people who actually, you know, defend the town. Um, but anyway, so Smug's super mad, setting things on fire, literally breathing fire on everything. The town, the trees, the lake. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you know, why not just breathe fire at a lake? I'm sure, I'm sure the book meant the town when it said that, but it put a really funny picture in my head. Yep. That, that's all. Yep. He ends up also hitting the great house with his tail and smashing it and smashes some more stuff. Having fun smashing. Did I make up that there was a line in the book that said he enjoyed it, so he did it again? Because <laughs> that's how I'm remembering it. He, like, accidentally smashes it and then he's like, wait, I can smash things. Uh, it, he just, it just, a sweep of his tail and the roof of the great house crumbled and smashed down. Flames unquenchable sprang high into the night. Another swoop and another and another house and then another sprang afire and fell. Okay, so I conjectured that he was having a good time. I mean. You did, but. He definitely was having a yeah. good time. <laughs> okay. Let's be real here. This, this guy's like Enjoying probably, revenge while it lasted. Right, yeah. Smog's probably been sad that no one wanted to pick a fight with him for a while. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big, scary, mean, evil, wonderful dragon. He wants to fight and kill. Yep. I like him so much. So, uh, <laughs> well, he's not long for this world. I know. <laughs> um, people start abandoning the town as it burns, and Smog's looking forward to hunting them, as he does. Uh, Bard and a few archers, pretty much, I think he had, like, his own battalion or whatever you call a group of archers. It um, says that he was their captain. captain, but I think that's just, like, I don't think he was any sort of official militia rank there, so much as he just appointed himself in charge. Yeah, but but Bard wouldn't let them leave, so they're still there. Um, and as Bard is about to shoot his final arrow, a thrush lands on his shoulder and starts speaking to him. And he's shocked to learn that he can understand it, because he's descended from Girion, Lord of Dale... And the men of Dale could speak with thrushes, a.k.a. they're Disney princesses. I mean, how did this not come up before now, though, is my question. How? Well, it did. How? The dwarves talked about it. Or we ta or the narration their narrator talked about it. But, like, in his life, how did it not oh, come up? Oh, in his life, yeah. Before now. Well, if you don't... if you, This particular thrush had a very important you know, lifetime job of having to go to the door every Duren's day and knock <laughs> just in case the dwarves showed up. So maybe this is the only talking thrush left. Because I do think most of them died with Dale. Uh, so this one, you know, it, it, had, it was very busy that one day a year and <laughs> it couldn't get distracted for the rest of the days of the year. And so, I think it's not like normal thrush noises. Like, I think they've learned this as a bonus skill, but, like, he's just walking through the woods. He wouldn't just understand the thrushes. And it's not all thrushes. It's these right. special Dale thrushes that are bigger okay. than other thrushes. Okay, that makes sense. So, but but also he's a Disney princess. Yeah, which does keep coming For up. Real. I guess Tolkien was a fan of Snow White. Yep, it's thematic. Um, anyway, the thrush tells Bard to look for the weak spot that Bilbo had found. Bard says a prayer to his black arrow, which <laughs> it does. Think... It no, this is also descended from Dale. Like it's yeah. come through his family as a lucky arrow <laughs> or whatever. Um, I think it's implied that it is made of metal that may have Ch come from the mountain. I think that is movie conjecture. 
I don't have my book open right now. But he was literally just like, I've passed, you know, the generations from Girion and the arrow passed down from father and son. It's like, did you grow up together with this arrow? What is going on? I have it up. (laughs) Arrow, said the bowman. Black arrow, I have saved you to the last. You have never failed me. And always I have recovered you. I had you from my father and he from of old. If ever you came from the forges of the true king under the mountain, go now and speed well. Whatever. It's the weirdest thing. A bird comes and talks to him, then he talks to his arrow. I mean, if I'm about to die from a dragon and I've been told by a thrush that I have one shot to hit the mark, because the thrush couldn't have told me sooner, of course, I would also be saying a prayer to my arrow. Actually, that's fair. So would I. But mine would be more of like, if you if you miss, we're both going down. Yeah. I mean, mine would probably include a few cuss, cuss yeah. words. Anyway, so he says a prayer to the arrow and shoots not off of his son's shoulder, which is dumb, and uh, hits his mark and kills the dragon. Woo! No. Would you like to? Would May you like I? to read out your? May yeah. I? Great bow twanged. The black arrow sped straight from the string, straight for the hollow by the left breast where the foreleg was flung wide. In it smote and vanished barb, shaft, and feather, so fierce was its flight. With a shriek that deafened men, felled trees, and split stone, Smaug shot spouting into the air, turned over, and crashed down from on high in ruin. <laughs> Poor dragon friend. It's fine. I'm okay. It's very sad. <laughs> but that was the end of Smaug and Eskaroth but not of Bard. The Dragon Murderer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a title. I mean, that is like literally his title. Mm-hmm. It's not in those terms. <laughs> Maybe not to everyone. It's fine. <laughs> if I were the master of Lake Town, I'd have some things to say about him. Anyways, sorry, carry on. Yes. So um, what's left of the people of Lake Town gather on the shore and grumble about the master who abandoned the town so early, but they praise the uh, presumed dead bard for slaying a dragon and say that they would make him king if he weren't dead. Um, but what? But, Not dead? What? Bard uh, has a flair for drama. And shows up before the crowd, uh, piping up. Bard is not lost. He died from Eskaroth when the enemy was slain. I am Bard of the line of Girion. I am the slayer of the dragon. What a great line. Did he say that whole thing? Yeah. It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. He, he. Yes, he did. He okay. walks into the crowd and is like, hello, it's me. You just said you'd, I'd be your king. Please worship me. The dragon slayer. Yes. I just had a moment of being like, I didn't read that wrong, did I? No, he he literally, yeah. What a glorious troll. I love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he killed my favorite character, but I still enjoy him. Yep. So, yeah, everyone praises him or shouting out, King Bard! King Bard! But the master's not happy. He's like, he's descended from the king of that other place. Not here. Uh, I was elected... <laughs> um yeah the, he actually uh the master has a pretty good speech yeah and turns everyone from anger at him to anger at the dwarves for bringing this uh down upon them and it's actually like a shockingly pointed commentary on politicians but no we couldn't have had you know conniving politician master we had to have comedic relief master and freaking alfred and it's so Listen. hilarious just how, like, this book was published in the 30s, just how relevant it still is. Maybe yeah. hilarious isn't the word, but I mean, it's there's literally the line, I know you had this in your favorite line, but yeah, going, up the bowmen and down with money bags. Yeah. Like, and, the, okay, these movies were made for, you know, 2012 through 14. They were not made in, you know times of economic prosperity in america like things were still a little uh iffy in that time you could have made some really awesome stuff happen i can see where it wasn't it wasn't as popular to be critical of yours in particular government at the time yeah but it 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 could have been any politician 
right? It didn't have to be. Right. But when you're making art like that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It is. And to have it in a big movie like that, it, that sort of, to have that anti-capitalism mm-hmm. message at the time would not have gone over well in America. But it could have been at least a little bit more serious. You know, oh, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Have the master Absol- be. Absolutely. Not just a fool. I'm just saying I can see where maybe they chose not to go in mm-hmm. that direction because America's where they make their money. Yeah. And China. Yeah. Again, probably another place where you don't <laughs> necessarily want to be down with money fags to, make, <laughs> to get a, a release date there. Yeah. Anyway, the master, actually a kind of fascinating character. Yeah. Anyway, so the whole point of this being, everyone's super mad at the dwarves, but they kind of come together to build some shelters and work on the survival for now, um, get some work done. Uh, people start, yeah, trying to make what shelter they can, but they're cold and they're wet, and lots of people still get sick and die. Poor it's really sad. Lake Town Escarothians. Yeah, I feel way worse for the people who die of, like, sickness after the fact than the people who died yeah. by dragon fire. Yeah. At least they went up quick, right? Ouch. Pretty much. Um, but yeah. So, Bard, uh, Bard does still kind of take lead of the people. He orders things done in the master's name, but he's really the one getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And he also arranges to send a message to the elves in Berkwood asking for help. Uh, the message gets to the Elven King faster than thought because he was already on his way to the mountain. Uh, word had spread by way of birds that Smaug was dead. Like, pretty much everyone knows. Yeah, the gossip in Middle-earth is intense. Like, I understand the Elven King being able to communicate with birds, but the fact that it gets all the way to the goblins so fast. I guess they can communicate with bats. Yeah, there you go. I don't know, I just picked a creepy-sounding flying creature bats are actually really cute and i like them but to be fair i wouldn't want one flying at my face in the middle of the night that would be creepy or while you're shutting a mountain with only a torch that too but anyway yep word spread that smog is dead and everyone wants some treasure oh yeah um but to the elven king's credit they changed their course to help the people of eskaroth on their way there um a few elves it was nice to see this other side of the Elven King. Yeah, what was the description? Um, for he was the lord of a good and kindly people. Mm-hmm. So turning his march, he hastened now down the river to the Long Lake. You know, yeah, it was nice not to see that side of him. Not actually a super bad dude. Mm-hmm. So everyone comes up with a plan, and uh, some elves stay with the injured and <clears throat> women and children to... Mm. Start building some proper huts before winter, and they make a gonna. They plan for a new town. Uh, is it far from the shore? Well, it's far from the bit where far far from where the dragon is. Yeah, I I oh. thought that that was just a really interesting description. How they had no desire to be anywhere near the corpse of the dragon, and and that like went on for hundreds of years. That. His skeleton could be seen on still days through the water. Mm-hmm. And, like, people won't even dare to uh, grab the jewels from his body. Yeah. Anyway, all the men of arms and the Elven King's army head north toward the mountain. It's treasure getting time, bitches. Let's fight. <laughs> That's what the uh, Elven King said to Bard. Yep, exactly. And I guess that's that. I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah. I guess. It's been an hour. (laughs) (laughs) We already talked about up the bowmen and down the money bags for favorite lines. Anybody have anything else? And I I did like the master's speech. It was actually like a good... I remember reading it being like, oh, that's actually a good speech. And like being surprised that he was a smart person. I was going to say, I don't know if I was surprised by that speech because... I didn't remember that in the book he's not a total idiot Mm -hmm. or if it's because it was actually a good speech maybe a combination of both yeah and also there's the bit like after he blames the the dwarves um I really liked how Bard is almost like dude if the dragon got to us they're probably already dead and and immediately everyone was like oh yeah whoops oh yeah that's so sad yeah yeah 
Alexa, play into the West. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you appreciated my joke. So uh, next week, I think some terrible things are going to happen. Glorious, glorious battle. So chapter 15, The Gathering of the Clouds. And chapter 16, A Thief in the Night. Yeah, that is next week. And I'm just going to quickly mention now, uh, we might have a bit of a, our episode releasing schedule might get interrupted a bit because I'm away for a bit at the beginning of October. And I'm basically gone like Tuesday to Tuesday, and that's generally around when we record. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, Is that uh, New York Comic Con? Yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah, Columbus Day weekend, I have company. Anyway, I, I will say October will be difficult. Yeah, the, or the beginning of it. You two are more than welcome to record like a bonus up while I'm away, but I have a feeling you won't. <laughs> if we have something to talk about, maybe. I was going to say, I think that's a reasonable feeling. But I will show you how to post an episode if you want to do that. We do want to know how to do that. Sure. <laughs> All right. Anyway, actually, I mean, by then, are we going to be through The Hobbit? Yeah, we'll we'll be done The Hobbit. I don't know if our drunk episode will be before or after New York. But that'll that'll work out pretty well timing-wise. Yeah. Because we can just take a slight hiatus before diving in. Delving in. in. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So if all right. those listening want to contact us, you can do so at wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com or on Twitter at to read Tolkien. And I think that's everything for this week. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Um Bilbo grows tired of searching through the treasure uh, long before the dwarves do. I spelled that word wrong a lot here. (laughs) But to be fair, I wrote these notes last night at 3 a.m., so. Because, quote, no one had dared to give battle to him in many an age, nor would they... What the... (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you added some extra characters here, Caitlin. I've completely lost where we are in the notes. <laughs> it's nor it's would definitely... they dared. Oh, now nor would they have dared now, or what? Oh, fuck! I don't know. Man. <laughs> I was I was like looking at the book as I was typing, which was probably a bad plan. <laughs>